0: Welcome, beverage industry professionals, to the Shine Runner Show, quenching your marketing, distribution, and sales thirst for more horsepower on the craft beer, cider, and spirits industry. I'm Mark Colburn, and I'll be your crew chief. Today's episode The Wholesaler. Our program objective is to provide you with an overview of marketing, distribution, and sales learnings and experiences from me, a veteran who's been in the craft beer. Spirits and cider business for over 25 years. The goal of this program will be to help you better understand marketing's role, priority, and importance in the marketplace and how it relates to your business model. Little recap from episode four. I want you to remember this super important point distribution selection is equal to the priority placed on the beer, cider, spirits, or wine that you decide to offer. It is, in fact, the other half of the equation. So last time we talked about the Castle Keep strategy and how you want to be careful not to overextend your distribution footprint. You also have to have what I call feet on the street. Those people, that sales rep, they're the people that will cover your distributor. They'll, they'll handle your distributor relations. They'll make account calls. They'll provide market and production need and intel feedback to your operations team. They'll grow on and off-premise relationships. Very important point. They'll ensure point of sale is placed in the trade. They'll develop sales incentives for the wholesaler sales team. They'll also penetrate key account channels like the supermarkets and on-premise. They'll conduct on-premise promotions. And we also talked about the moat And it's business significance. Remember that the moats within the castle keep strategy, the moats width and depth represents account relationship strength and the moats water that represents your marketing investment. So let's get into today's episode wholesaler selection. So these what I'm going to go through now are a list of questions for evaluating wholesalers. And it's very important for you to ask these questions up front because you don't want to find out the answers after, let's say, you signed a contract, you know, 30 or 90 days into it and you find out, oh, well, we don't do that, Mr. Supplier. So it's a, a kind of a comprehensive list of questions that I would ask if I were you. So and they're, they're not necessarily ranked, but let's go through some of them. First of all, does this wholesaler have a mission statement? Uh, what is their hierarchy and long-term objectives? Uh, does, does their mission statement align with what you want to do? And as far as long-term objectives, maybe they don't reveal those, but let's say that, uh, that they reveal that they're going to be wanting to sell out to a larger distributor in just a few years. Is that necessarily a wholesaler that you want to get into a contract with? Another key question to ask, is territory covered? And obviously that's you know a very obvious uh, question, but a very important one because let's say that you get into supermarket chain X and supermarket chain X has a geography obviously of how many stores within that geography. So the wholesaler you're, you're courting – Does that wholesaler also match that geography? Maybe they only cover a third of that geography, which is going to require you to appoint another distributor or more, or perhaps you go to a larger distributor that can help you cover that big supermarket chain. Another question to ask, how many days a week do they deliver, let's say, to the supermarket chains? Super important question because some distributors will go one day a week. Others will go as many as six. Personally, I would say I would opt for the distributor that goes in as often as possible. Uh, Is there a case drop minimum or dollar minimum for delivery to an account? Uh, This is an important question because let's say your sales rep, your feet on the street person uh, goes into an account and sells in a case of your product. Hey, you know, hey, boss, guess what? I got that new tough account we've been after. And they said, yes, great news. But what if you find out that the distributor doesn't go into that account and maybe it's a new account to them? And then they come back and say, oh, well, uh, we would drop that case, but we have a minimum of $250 or $300 because they've got to pay a union driver fuel and all the above kind of, uh, you know, many expenses in order to do that. So you want to find out this in advance before you send your sales rep out into those non-buys. Another question, will they pick up at the brewery, distillery or cidery? That's a way to, you know, save some money and make it easier for you. Uh, what is their expected margin on selling draft or case beer? Super important question. As you understand what margin your distributor takes, then you can better calculate uh, what your final retail will be. Now, I think you probably know that in the alcohol business, we can't set the final price. But as you learn the margins throughout the channel, the retailer, uh, the account, you know, the mom and pop uh, liquor store, the supermarket and the distributor, you can then start to approximate what your price will be and how that aligns with the brand positioning that you have for your beer cider spirits or wine Uh, how many off and on-premise accounts do they deliver to another obvious question but uh, an important one because you want to know maybe it's only a hundred is that is that enough really for you to to or say it's 50 that's probably what you can handle on on self-distribution but if it's a thousand or more three thousand accounts that's a good distributor to keep asking questions to Does the company have a large cooler for kegs or cases for cold storage? If so, what's that average temperature and what's the criteria for your brand to get into? If I was you, I would want my brand in that cold cooler case so that uh, the product stays fresher longer. Another one, how frequently are empty kegs returned to the brewery? Now, I I hear this can be a problem for some uh, suppliers, and I know that those kegs are really expensive. People tend to try to snag these uh, kegs from behind accounts. They're they're worth their weight in gold. So you want to get these back as frequently as possible and get that uh, up front with your distributor. How do they monitor freshness and quality codes? I think it's another important question. Does this distributor take freshness and quality into consideration? And if they do, hey, that's a great thing. I'm not implying that your product going to get old on the shelf or, or uh, in the, the bar – but it's something that uh, – it's, it's a very – it's a plus I think is if a distributor has maybe even a dedicated team that goes through and rotates and makes certain that products are as fresh as possible. I mean that's really part of the, the three-tier system. That's why we have these distributors. Channel selling. Did they perform channel selling? I think this is a really key one in that you want um, – I think it's desirable – to have a distributor that has a team that's divided. Let's say they've got a supermarket selling team. They've got a convenience store channel. They've got an on-premise team and an off-premise team, maybe even a wholesaler team that calls on, say, the Costco's, the BJ's, the the Sam's clubs. And that really provides focus for you and the distributor. And I think it's going to lead to higher sales numbers. Does their team merchandise the shelves? Now, you're thinking, Mark, why is that an important question? Well, it's, it's important for a number of reasons. Merchandising is really, it's, it's a key, key uh, topic right now as there are companies popping up in California and probably in other states where they are just specializing in merchandising. This is a, you know, you can subcontract now to have merchandisers because most of the supermarkets in the states, they don't have labor that's going to take the cold beer and cider that's in the back of the store, uh, and, and, well, I don't know about wine, but um, definitely beer and cider. But they're not going to take that necessarily to the cold case in the front of the store. They rely on the distributor's merchandisers to do that. So how frequently do these merchandisers go into the supermarket chains? And does the distributor even have a team to do that? I think this – if they do have a merchandising team and they're going into the stores on a frequent basis, then that's a really good distributor to continue your conversations with. New item authorization approval process and selection evaluation criteria. So what does – how does the distributor go about uh, accepting new products and new brands in the distributorship? This is a super important uh, question in my opinion so that as, as you uh, work with them, let's say you've got a seasonal, uh, seasonal program. You certainly want to know how and when to present that and how they're going to evaluate it. Brand management, do they happen to have a brand manager uh, that you can work with? This might be a person most likely that has a specialty in let's say craft beer or cider or mead or spirits. That's that's great news because that's going to be your main contact and that person uh, is most likely going to be quite educated in the, the beverage style or product category that you sell. Another question I would ask is – how are they compensated? Uh, if there's a, an opportunity for you to put a bonus out there, put some carrots out in front of that brand manager, you're going to get uh, even more mileage out of that person. A few more questions. Does your company co-op deep price discounts? So you're, you're uh, kind of wondering, well, what do you mean by that? Let's Here's an example. Let's say that a wholesaler orders 15 pallets of your product. Uh, Let's say it's a seasonal summer ale, and oh, great news! You know, you get all that product into your distributor, and that wholesaler only ends up ordering ten. So there's five pallets remaining at the distributor. The distributor contacts the wholesaler and says, uh, "You know, I'm I'm, I don't mean wholesaler, I mean Warehouse Club. So let's let's back up. Let's say that the the Warehouse Club orders 15 uh, pallets, and they only take 10. So there's five left over. So what happens with those five pounds? Do you expect your distributor to, to eat those? They're certainly not going to. Do you want to take those five back? And and let's say that it's getting late into the summer season. That's going to obviously be difficult for you to sell. So maybe you get together with your distributor and you say, hey, could we do a, a, a what we call a tactical post-off of five or six dollars off per case? Yeah, that's going to certainly cut into margin. But it's uh, – An attractive enough discount that that product could be flushed out into the marketplace and nobody has to take a massive loss on those five pallets. Few more questions. Uh, appointment drives or, or crew drives. I think uh, perhaps you've heard the term crew drives. Very important. Uh, and that is where a group from the supplier, say three, four of your people, your sales director, three, of your sales rep, maybe maybe somebody, uh, maybe you, the a brewer, uh, marketing person. They come out and they ride with the distributor's team. Maybe two people when the, the on premise, two from the off premise, and they go out and they hit accounts. So. Uh, You want to find out if they do that, how frequently they do, and what's the criteria for selection. Now, what I want to throw out to you is a term I use called an appointment drive. And an appointment drive is whereby appointments are set up in advance of the crew drive so that it makes your time that much more efficient. I've personally seen many, many crew drives where the, the team will go out to an account and find out that uh, in the on-premise, they're presenting to a barback who is going to take the samples and probably drink them, uh, you know, afterwards with his buddies, and and not meet with the the owner uh, because perhaps they're 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 gone or they're coming in, you know, a lot later in the day, or they go into the off-premise and they find out that the owner buyer, uh, you know, they they talk to the cashier and uh, they find out that this person's on vacation for a week or two. So what a waste of time to have someone at your level or, or say your sales director and the distributor's sales director go. Out out and, and stop into these accounts and not be able to even present to the appropriate people. So bring this out in, in advance when you're having these discussions and see what the reaction is from these distributors, uh, these distributor candidates. I think that uh, if they say, yeah, we'd like to do that, we can, uh, we can assure you of appointments in advance, then hey, that is a really good thing. Uh, sales meetings as brand-building awareness tools. Uh, sales meetings are typically held uh, maybe a Friday or Monday morning, super early, and you get all the wholesaler sales team there on and off-premise. That Hopefully the chain, the, the warehouse club people, and, and, and all the important players. So you want to find out if uh, your team can get in there and, and how often. Because you really want to get in front of these people and let them know about your brand. So ride withs, uh, kind of on, on the tail of the crew drive. But a ride with is where – back to that feed on the street salesperson. Uh, you want that person to be riding with your key your, – your big distributor – As often as possible. So, in this conversation, as you're courting the wholesaler or distributor, hey, uh, Mr. Distributor, uh, how often can my sales rep ride with your on and off premise C store and supermarket chain salespeople? And what are the criteria for consideration? Is there a process in place? Can we go ahead and, and reserve some dates now? iPad access. Now, this is an uh, – I think this is a huge opportunity that a lot of suppliers just miss out on. You've got um, these sales people. They're, they're typically they're armed with an iPad and they use that for ordering and, and a couple other things. But what about sending them uh, information on your brand so that when they're in the trenches, when they're on their sixth stop at a key IPA uh, off-premise account, they can say uh, – when, when they present uh, GT500 Brewings new ipa and cans the account owner might say okay uh joe you know tell me about this and are they going to be able to remember passionately all the kda and the key points probably not what if they just go ahead and on their ipad they punch it up and boom there perhaps you are on a video or there's a nice page that lists the key points right there that he or she can show to the account buyer All that without a whole lot of effort is going to increase your probability of placement. And a lot of suppliers just miss that. So you want to ask, hey, does your team have iPads? And could we send marketing materials and sales materials to your sales team in order to have that access? Incentives, really important point as far as back to sort of the sales meetings and – you want to find out, do they have incentives for the on and off premise sales team? Uh, what can you do to put carrots out there uh, to motivate them on your brand? And will the, the distributor co-op those? Typically, they'll, they'll share the cost. If it's $100 for a draft handle, they'll oftentimes pay $50 of that. Key questions to ask up front. Special events. Uh, if they participate in special events, what are the criteria for brand selection? How do they pick which brands are going to be in special events? And uh, you'll be, might be surprised that some distributor wholesalers don't even want to do special events. It takes, it takes a lot of labor, weekend work, overtime, and it really stresses, uh, stresses the team because these special events are, can turn into 20 hour days. I, I've been there many, many times, but the, for ones that do, conduct special events i strongly recommend that you want to be in those because trial sampling is so critical for brands like yours uh, for any brand in my opinion um that's in the intro and the growth stage of the product life cycle so if they do a lot of special events they don't necessarily say hey all brands come on down instead they pick perhaps their favorites or um Maybe there's not necessarily selection. It's kind of first come, first serve. So you want to have your hand up. Does the company conduct quarterly or trimester business reviews? Well, maybe quarterly is a little bit frequent. But my suggestion to you is get into a trimester business review. Uh, it's, it's a good thing to keep in the face of the distributor. Should you decide to mutually end the relationship, what's the method for buyout? You want to get this out in front. Uh, What is the notification requirement? Typically at least 30 days, sometimes 90. And do you have a standardized contract? Get these things all out up front. Does the wholesaler sales team call on the convenience store channel? If so, with what brands? That's a super important one. The 7-Elevens of the world, uh, there's a a little research I found was that the core – and casual craft beer consumers, they account for over 80% of C-Store craft consumption. So if you're a craft beer or craft cider, you want to get into those convenience stores. You want to meet with that. If they have that channel selling, back to that example, you want to meet with that convenience store uh, manager at the whole of the sailorship so that you can find out what, uh, how many stores they're going into and what kind of opportunities you have for your brand in the C-Store channel. Few more. Does the distributor manage? draft line cleanings. Now, this one might seem pretty obvious, but boy, this is another big trend right now. Another big subcontracting uh, opportunity for companies popping up all over the place that just go into the on-premise accounts to clean lines. Wow. Uh, there's good money in that. And uh, that will add to your margin. That will add to the, the distributor's margin. Uh, so these are things you definitely want to find out. Plus, you want to find out if you're a draft If you've got draft, which you probably do, you want to find out how often these lines are cleaned because you certainly want your product coming out uh, clean and and, uh, just the way you intended it as you brewed it or distilled it or or made it. Would the wholesaler financially contribute to a sales rep in the area either on a co-op or cents per case basis? Now, this is going to be a tough one, but as I said, this is another one to ask up front. I have seen some of the larger suppliers and distributors – Agree that they'll cover the cost of a sales rep, feed on the streets at a 50-50 or maybe there's a cents per case basis you can negotiate because we all know this, this is an expensive person or, or people to have out in the field. So if you can get some help, you know, ask up front. Asking after the fact, you're not going to be in as good a negotiating position. Kind of a, a, an obvious one, but are any of the staff like that brand manager? Are they Cicerone or sommelier certified? I think that's important to know because you've got someone that, that really understands craft beer or, or wines or ciders. So the, the more educated they are on that, that product category, I think the better they're going to do for you and your brand. Now, I've asked this of, of some distributors lately and, um, I think it's a must. Can the distributor execute tap takeovers? Another seems like an obvious one. Of course, Mark, they want to do that. They're going to sell a lot more beer. Well, f- ask that question up front because there's, there's, I'm perceiving a lot of burnout with so many beer festivals and uh, tap takeovers at key accounts and then there's oftentimes leftover beer. So ask about that and sort of see what the attitude is of the distributor, wholesaler uh, person when you're in that conversation. So hopefully they say yes because I, I still think that tap, taker, ta- tap takeovers are a really good thing for the on-premise accounts and does the distributor conduct what's called skew rationalization meetings and those are sometimes quarterly or each half year biannual uh, whereby the distributor senior team will meet and they'll make cut you know delete decisions on some of the products that they have in order to uh, keep them amount of space available for new stuff, or it's just something that may not be selling. So I think it's a key question to ask up front. uh, If they do have these SKU rat meetings, what criteria do they use to make those deletion decisions? Know that up front so that you can stay ahead of that. So let's say that you've gone through all these questions and, man, they've really – they've nailed it. Uh, that distributor has, has given you the positive responses that you're looking for. Congratulations. You've appointed that big dog distributor in that major metro. So now let's talk about working with that distributor. Some of you might be thinking, oh, man, we've made it. We got that big dog. But I have to be very frank with you. The work is only just beginning. What I want you to do once you get that big distributor in your you know as a as a partner adopt a partnership attitude you want to really cultivate that relationship and I, I ask that you care at least as much as the wholesaler does. And I'm, I'm sure that you will. But I've met a number of suppliers that, uh, you know, that's that's the wholesaler distributor's job. We don't care. We don't work on weekends. We don't do this. You do it. So you, you really want to care at least a, a, as much about your brand as the wholesaler does. And sort of back to that meeting suggestion. Try to meet at least once a trimester with the senior team. Don't be that supplier that – that uh we see once a year. Oh yeah, we see Mark, you know, he comes in maybe once a year in December, blah blah blah. That's that's not what you want to be. You want to be that person that's that's getting into that distributorship. It's uh, you know, seeing the people, stay on top of mind. Also, get on that annual business plan meeting calendar and get on that early. Yeah, spend time preparing for this critical meeting. My suggestion is try to get on that calendar for November. Don't wait to December. You get into January, you've already missed the boat. So start start booking that maybe in September. Empathize, motivate, and ambassadorize. Take your marketing plan, your story, your KDA, Key Differentiating Advantage, down to the wholesaler, troop, and sales team level. I think this is a point that a lot of suppliers miss out on. Uh, You really want to communicate that to that sales team. Your goal is persuade them to like your brand more than any other. Your mantra is now, think about this, treat the wholesaler sales team As your internal customer. One more time, treat the wholesaler, distributor, sales team as your internal customer. So back to that appointment. You've got this big distributor, and let's say, hey, awesome, you have been invited into the sales meeting. This is a great opportunity for you to, for you or your 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 sales director or VP of sales or your sales rep to really shine and talk about your brand. So let's go through a few distributor sales meetings, do's and don'ts. So you, as the brewer, the company owner, the um, cidery owner, you need to quarterback your presenters. Uh, They represent your brand. I've been in over. I don't know, 800, maybe 900 sales meetings. And I have to say as a, as a former prof, the average presentation grade, it's a C minus. You really need these people to present to you so you see what that delivery is going to be and you see how they deliver your brand. Other do's and don'ts. Don't have them disrespect the sales team, the salesperson's time. Be prepared. Know your audience. Uh, Really, if, if you have – I suggest not presenting IRI data or Nielsen data. If you have to, uh, if, if the, the presentation is going to be uh, filled with some IRI data, have that person know what they're saying and how to define each column. I've been through so many where people that are presenting don't understand you know, the IRI data themselves. And lots of times it, it's not appropriate because maybe you're talking to the on- and off-premise teams that don't even call on the chains – don't waste their time. And uh, another uh, obvious one, do your homework. When I say your, I mean your team. D- do the homework and rehearse these presentations. As I said, the, the average is a C minus. Shoot for an A. Consider holding the meeting at your tap room, brewery or brew pub. Uh, you'll have a captive audience. Immerse them in your brand DNA and always tell your marketing story and that key differentiating advantage. Another obvious one. Don't be late. And as far as swag goes, don't just give away your swag. Free is considered of little value. Hey, guys, here's a shirt. Everybody and ladies, everybody gets a shirt. They don't it's, – it's just not really considered of much value. Make them earn it. Use, the, use your swag, your shirts, your hats. Use that strategically in these meetings to kind of showcase or stroke individual performance. That's going to equal peer recognition. Hey Joe, nice job on this. Bam. Bring cold samples and coffee, preferably pete's. Be upbeat. I want to talk a little bit about the peer the, the power of peer recognition. Stroking a salesman uh, is is a really strong, strong tool in a Friday morning sales meeting in front of all these on-and-off-premise salespeople. I'll give you an example from from my days. Uh, I got to meet up with Jim Cook when he was out to San Francisco and I thought, hey, I want to take advantage of of meeting him. He was there for some big level meetings. And I got a video camera and I, I got a few questions and I videotaped him. And one of the things that I talked to him about was first quarter performance, in the on-and-off premise, specifically by salespeople. So I highlighted these people by name and asked him. I had sort of a cheat, kind of a, a homemade teleprompter over my shoulder as I videotaped him. And I showed him as he was presenting and being videotaped uh, how Joe did this at at store XYZ or or Sheila did that at uh, in the on-premise getting a new draft handle. And he was absolutely fantastic. He articulated – Exactly what I, I was hoping and saying, way to go, people. You know, Way to go, Joe. Way to go, Sam. Way to go, Sally. And I, I then presented this. I showed this video in a Friday sales meeting and you should have seen the reaction. Nobody had done this before, and it was so simple. Uh, it just took a little time, a little editing, and some videotaping. But the pure recognition amongst other people and the talk value for two or three weeks—I mean, it was people when he, when Jim Cook uh, called out their names. The the other the sales rep that his or her name was called out—they were beaming in this meeting. So these are just simple ways to really motivate salespeople. And it don't, don't even cost anything. So a key point that I want you to remember basically for the rest of your life. As you're falling asleep tonight, uh, I want you to think about this key point. If there's nothing else that you remember from all of Mark's uh, podcasts, this is the one thing that you want to remember. Okay? You ready? People sell for people and brands that they like. One more time. People sell for people and brands that that they like. I want you to really think about that. So here's a recap from episode five. Distributor evaluation. We went through a ton of questions, what to ask up front. As I said, ask these up front. You don't want to ask on the back end of that. Once you get that, that wholesaler signed up, way to go. Congratulations. You want to then cultivate that relationship. Ambassadorize that wholesaler sales team. Make them into little salespeople for your brands. Get them to like your brands and you and your team. Adopt an internal customer philosophy with your distributor. Do that and I think you're going to be very successful. Not a lot of suppliers, they just think, ah, we got a distributor. Let's go to the next one. Let's go to the next one. The next one just kind of becomes generic, almost a commodity sales meetings, do's and don'ts. We hit a bunch of those. And yeah, some of them seem obvious. I hope you're not upset by some of the things I said on that. But hey, these are the things that I've seen in the trenches. You know, 900 sales meetings. These are ways that you can fine tune. This is you, you take my advice and I think you're going to have that much more success. So please submit questions on episode five's topics to shine at the brewing I'll try to address those and uh, several of those questions in our next show. I want to thank you very much for listening. Please check out my website at shinerunnercraftmarketing.com my book, Craft Beer Marketing and Distribution Brace for Skewmageddon and my Patreon site Shinerunner Craft Marketing where you can subscribe and we'll take a look under the hood and dig a little deeper into these podcasts to get a little more horsepower and additional content. So our next Brewing Network episode number 6 will be How to Motivate that Wholesaler. Thank you.